morning, Meadowbrook. This is a wonderful and blessed day. We are so honored to be here with you in the presence of God's people and in the company of the angels and all of the heavenly hosts and soon in the very presence of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah and our promised King. Greetings to you once again. I'm so honored to be here with you this morning as uh, my cousin Chris, Pastor Jones, has asked me, amen, to preach to you all this morning. And as he is kind of away, still visiting other family members, um, we just have been uh, graced to be here. Not only is is he my cousin, now, now, see, every family has secrets, not only is he my cousin, but he's my brother. And, and, and I want you all to know that he is my brother by the redeeming, re, re, rejoicing, cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And, and, and guess what that means for all of us in this room? If you are born again, if you have been redeemed by that precious blood, if you have become part of the family of God, then all of us, all of y'all and all of me and you, we's family too. Oh, I should have got some claps on that one too. Amen. Amen. We are, we are family and uh, by grace in him who has saved us. These promises and these truths are all established and they shall remain and they are eternal. In fact, not only are they eternal, but what I just said to you has cosmic implications. And, 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 and so as we enter into God's word this morning, if you were here for the, uh, for the 830 service, you will get a totally different message. And uh, I feel led by, by God to do this this way. And so we're going to enter into the sharing of God's word in this way. If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of, of Luke. One of the things that if you have noticed, as we have been singing and worshiping already and praising the Lord, that what we are dealing with here is not some mere story. You see, when we talk about a story, particularly in the West, we have this sense of or our minds kind of go to what we would consider really a fable. Something that's a story, it's good, it's, it may have some truth to it, but it really isn't that which we can base truth and knowledge upon, partly because in the West we have become so dependent on a science as our way of knowing that something is only true if it is scientifically verifiable. But my brothers and sisters, I want to share with you this morning that we are not looking at some mere story. We are about to engage in the fulfillment.
fulfillment of the very promise of God himself. So if you're in Luke chapter, we're going to be preaching on Luke chapter 2 this morning. But to get to that place, I want to remind you of some things that Luke wrote right before that. You know that Zacharias was in the temple ministering on behalf of God for God's people. And there the gate, the archangel Gabriel showed up to him. And you know the story or you know the promise that Elizabeth and Zacharias had been barren. And they were upwards in age. And the angel Gabriel declares to him that you and Elizabeth shall have a son in your old age. And in essence, Zacharias kind of says, come on now, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. And, and, and because Zacharias did not believe the very word of God that came through the archangel, in that very moment, he was struck with silence. The next scene that we have in the promise of God is God appears, again, this angel, appears to a young woman about the age of 15 or 16, and her Hebrew name is Miriam. And, and, and the angel Gabriel speaks to her, and he tells her that she is going to give birth to the Messiah. And unlike Zacharias, she opens her heart to the reality and the possibility that she is going to be the one to give birth to the promise that God made in Genesis 3.15. And in essence, she says, Lord, you know, she's got some, some good questions. Lord, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel tells her that the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. And the Most High shall come upon you and you shall bear a son. And all that we read this morning in Isaiah's truth has come to pass now. Basically, she says, be it unto me servant of the Lord. And, and we get on there and, and, and we hear now the fulfillment of all that has come up to this very point in God's word. Listen to some of these words as Mary herself is beginning to make this what's called Mary's Magnificat, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 46. She says, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. Wow. And, and she goes on in that, in that, 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 what's called Mary's Magnificat to continue to praise and to prophesy the fulfillment of God's very promise to Israel. We sang 
O come now Israel, Emmanuel, unto thee, O Israel, right? She is singing and she's praising the fulfillment of all those things. And then I told you all about Zacharias. Remember, he had been struck silent from the moment that he denied the reality of what the angel was saying to him. Now, now catch this. He's, he's up in age. He and his wife Elizabeth have not had a child. He comes home and he can't talk. In my classes, I normally call people out to make an example. I was about to ask y'all to stand up, but I'm not going to do that to you this morning. But everybody look at them. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Now, now he comes home, and he can't speak. Now, I don't know what happens and how that goes on, but see, that's my wife right there. If I came home and couldn't speak, she would have 10,000 questions. I imagine Elizabeth pretty much the same way. So, as time goes on, they have relationship. And in the process of that, him not being able to talk, they get pregnant. In their old age, they get pregnant, and he still can't talk. Let me grab my Bible while I'm down here. I like being down here. So, Mary is the cousin of Elizabeth. They visit one another. Mary has made this Magnificat. Time goes on, and now John the Baptist, the promised one, not the full promised one, but the promised one of Zechariah is about to be born. And, And when he's born, you know, back in that time, everybody in the village would get together, and, and they would name the child according to the family lineage. And so they were there, and they were telling uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, well, name him Zacharias or one of the other family names. And, and Zacharias said, mm, 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 mm. And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? And, and he's, mm, mm. and he's probably doing like I'm doing because I'm getting all into this thing. And I imagine, because he was the one really in the mix of all that, his emotion and his movements are really moved. He's he's moved. Because now he knows the truth of what the angel said, that the very Lord had spoken to him. And he said, you'll name him John. And suddenly the Bible says, Zacharias is filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at chapter 2, starting at verse 67, he's, he says, he says in that moment, he says, give me something to write with. He's motioning. And they hand him something to a tablet to write with. And he says, he writes on that tablet, his name is John. And suddenly his mouth opens up and Zacharias prophesies. He says, blessed is the Lord God, the God of Israel, because he has visited us and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. 
just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hands of those that hate us. He, Yahweh, has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant. And he goes on to say more prophetic things, not only about John, his son, but more importantly about Jesus, Mary's baby. And he ends his prophetic words. This is because of our God's merciful merciful compassion, verse 78. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of shalom, to the ways of peace. But that's not even the beginning, the climax of all the promise that God has made. You see, the Bible goes on to say that in those days, in that time, Caesar had determined that a census would be taken of all the people. And Joseph, going back to Mary, was uh, espoused to one another. They were to be married, but Mary was found to be pregnant. And, And Matthew's gospel tells us that because Joseph was a righteous man, he wasn't gonna have her, Bible says, put away. He wasn't gonna have her killed. And he, and, and, and also because God speaks to Joseph to stay with her for the child in her shall be called Emmanuel and he shall save his people from their sins. So in all of this, Caesar calls for a census and because Joseph and Mary were the house of David, they go back to Bethlehem to be counted among their family people. If you'll begin reading with me, and this is where we're going to preach from. Yes, I thought he was already preaching. But this is the fullness of the message here. She had given birth to her firstborn son, verse 7. And she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room for them available. And in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, that is before the the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest of heaven and peace on earth. People good favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord 
has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing him, pay attention to that, after seeing him, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard, so seeing and hearing, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. My brothers and sisters, what I want to share with you again this morning is that if what you have seen and what you have heard is true, then the aftermath, and maybe even greater so now for us than even for those shepherds, is that we are to be seeing and hearing and praising and proclaiming the very gospel truth that we are observing right now. Now, I I know y'all ain't maybe used to how I am, but... On that note, you should have said amen. All right. Y'all working with amen. Okay. Now, if I happen to say amen, y'all say it back. Okay. So amen. All right. Now now we're working. Okay. But here's this thing. You see, part of the issue that's going on today, at least as I can tell, is that those of us who have seen and heard this gospel truth, and that we are observing right now about the birth and the coming of the very promise of God, we are not proclaiming as did the shepherds. Our task, our duty, our pleasure, our joy comes because we are sharing with the world the very joy that has entered our hearts. Amen. Now, see, some of them got it over here. Y'all said amen because I was over here, didn't you? That's the reality. You see, we are called. I know that I, as a minister of the gospel, that's one who's called, five-fold ministry type thing, and I know my brother David, same way, and Chris, same way. We are compelled. I could not preach if I wanted to. But you... You who have heard and have seen and testify that this story is true, you are equally called to proclaim the truth of the coming of the promise of God from Genesis all the way through Revelation. My brothers and sisters, we are all called to testify and praise God just like these shepherds did. And let me tell you something that their seeing and hearing is no less or, excuse me, no greater than yours and mine. You see, we have, in a sense, a greater sense of proclamation because we have experienced the presence of the Messiah longer. God is actively bringing his truth to bear Upon this world. And I don't care what it looks like. I told the crowd. The the, the church earlier this morning. 
my wife, I mentioned her a little bit. I'm looking for the appearing of Jesus. Jesus could come right in this moment. I'm telling you what, I would be so excited. Amen. Sometimes my wife says, what do you want? You want want to die or something? I'm not looking to die, but I surely am looking, because I don't know about you all, but I'm tired of all the, the injustice that we see and experience. I'm tired of seeing cops gun folks down, particularly people that look like me. I'm tired of all the rancor that goes on in politics in the church. I'm sick of it. But I'm also more inspired and, and, and compelled to continue on because like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that all those who are looking for and longing for and loving the appearance of Jesus, God will give to them a crown of righteousness. My brothers and sisters, I'm looking for that crown of righteousness. I hope you are as well. See, on that day, when he shows up, the Bible teaches us that he's going to burst open the eastern sky brighter than the sun. And I don't know about you, but I can picture it now. He's going to be riding on a white horse. And that horse is going to have wings. And he's going to be coming. He's looking for me. I don't know if he's not looking for you. I'm sorry, but I know he's looking for me. And, and when he finds me, I want to be found faithful. Faithful to what he told me to do. Faithful to the truth of this story or this promise. And when he finds me, he's going to say, hey, Galen. I'm going to say, hey, Jesus. <laughs> hey, Jesus. He's going to call me from this world. And bring me up to himself. Amen. Praise God. And there's another day that's coming. Because also in in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, and he tells us by extension, that Jesus Christ, not just this babe, but Jesus Christ, the very Lord of glory, is going to judge the living and the dead. Now, we don't take that lightly, brothers and sisters. Because the Bible says that judgment begins in the household of faith. So God is going to open up the book and you're going to be standing before him and and, and he's going to ask you, what did you do with the life that I gave you? What did you do with the breath? I remember my mother died about a little over two years ago. And I was, my wife and I were there in, in some of those last hours. And I was sitting there, my mother and I were kind of class. She wasn't really there. She was, if you've ever seen someone going through those last moments, if you will, in hours of breathing, they're very labored. The Lord spoke this to my heart. He said, uh, I give breath. And I number them. And the summation of them, that is life. My brothers and sisters, when your breaths are through, 
what will he say about you? What will be the testimony of your life for him? You see, his testimony of his life for you is that he died upon the cross. Not only was he born, but he died upon the cross. And bore your sins. He carried them far away. What will be the record of your breaths? Will they be that they were used to proclaim the good news, the transformative news of Jesus Christ, the promise of Genesis 3.15? Or will it simply or merely be that I was a good doctor, I was a good lawyer, I was a good mother, I was a good father. And those things are fine. They are at one level praiseworthy. But if that is all, that is the summation of the breath that he gives you, brothers and sisters, something's wrong. You have to amen on that one, but something's wrong. And, 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 and listen, it's time to correct that which is wrong. It's time for us as brothers and sisters. I know we got a little laugh out of saying that Chris and I are cousins and maybe because Joneses at some level are actually related some natural way. But truthfully and more importantly, we are all related by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are, amen, we are not connected by political affiliation. We are connected by the precious, redeeming, justifying blood of Jesus. Amen? My brothers and sisters, when will we use the breath that he's given us like these shepherds who testified that all that was told them all that they had seen and heard was true. I'm looking for that day. Yes, I'm looking for that day of the appearing of Jesus Christ in the eastern sky. And I, I don't have a death wish. But right now, you know what I'm looking for? By grace. The moment that we live out the prayer that he prayed this morning. Did you all hear the words that he prayed this morning? I hope that you did. I heard them in my heart and in my ears. If you don't remember them, is that part of the message taped? If not, would you pray it again and keep praying it? Because those are the words to live by. I don't want to end this on a sour note, but I do want to challenge you as Paul challenged Timothy. He said, because of the appearing of Jesus and of his kingdom and that he is going to judge the living and the dead. He said, preach the word. In season and out of season. And like I told them this morning, God is calling. If you have the newness of life, 
That is, if the spirit of Christ is living in you and he is the one who's truly actually now giving you inspired breath, then preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Fill the ministry full of God's works that he has called us to do. For in the appearing of Jesus Christ, he shall give us a crown of righteousness that shall not fade away. So our challenge this morning is to live out the words of the song we're about to sing. I call it a little bit of an audible. If you'll turn to, in your hymnals, I don't know if they'll be able to put it up on the screen. But in your hymnals on page 127, we're going to sing one of my most favorite songs together. It is so filled with the promise of God. It's hark the herald angels sing. But, but listen, let's not just put in the angel. Let's put in us. Hark the herald, the redeemed sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled.